the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. And then there was one with the Patriots being defeated by the Denver Broncos on Sunday night. Just the Panthers sit atop of the NFL spire. Uh, we've got loads to talk about. And Will Gavin is going to eat a horrendous amount of humble pie. This is the Gridiron Show. You are indeed listening to The Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. That's Sports Travel for sports fans by sports fans. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter are all up in your studio. The NFL Spire. I don't know where that came from. The I was going to say Pyramid, but then Spire came out. The Spire? Yeah, I don't know. But I like it. Like the religious iconography of the NFL. It's obviously what drew me to it in the first place. Yeah, of course. I'm a giant Christian, if you didn't know that already. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're giant. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say about the the latter. Okay, so we've got loads to get on to. We've got all of the Week 12 games to look back on. And In fact, I think how we should start the podcast before we get into anything else. We always start off our review of the weekend with Monday Night Football. However... However, tonight's Monday Night Football is the Browns hosting the Ravens. I almost forgot what it was. Sorry, These, there's, a, there's a game on. Yeah, exactly. These teams have a combined record of 5-15. and 15. Prime time, baby! So, um, I got called zany on a, an iTunes report. I need to stop doing silly things like that. Zany? Yeah, I got called zany. I'm really angry and disappointed with the world. I hate the word zany. It's like something that a fat person would call themselves when they were on the Big Brother VT. Or bubbly. Chubby. I'm zany. Oh, like, no, chubby is actually just fat. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, so here's what I think we should do. First of all, Pickham League. Both of you have gone nine for whatever it is this week. Nine for fifteen. Not brilliant, but not terrible. Uh, I'm taking the Browns tonight. Ollie, are you going to take the Ravens to try and pick up a game off me? Uh, yeah. Let me just uh, change that now. <laughs> Excellent. Gridiron live changing of stuff. Uh, well, while you're doing that, why don't I go back and review Monday Night Football to kick off the show? <laughs> Well, I said this would be the episode where I eat some humble pie, and I have to say that our massive underestimation of Monday Night Football has come back to bite me in the ass again. It wasn't a great game overall. The quality between the two teams, Josh McCown, Matt Sharp, not the best two quarterbacks in the league, it has to be said, but what a thrilling ending. And these two teams, for the second time this season, have by far surpassed expectations. Of course, the ending, let's go through that fourth quarter. Josh McCown, uh, sorry, it wasn't actually Josh McCown. By that point, Josh McCown had gone out with the collarbone injury. Uh, Austin Davis comes in, drives 77 yards, 7 for 10 on that drive. Big touchdown pass down the middle, which also, by the way, uh, won Ollie our fantasy game. He had Travis Benjamin. He beat me by like 7 points thanks to that touchdown. Pretty frustrating. Drives them down, gives the Cleveland, levels up for the Cleveland Browns, gets it to 27 all. Matt Sharp comes out. He's got a chance to drive and win the game. Drives down the field. Looks like it's decent and then throws a terrible pick, giving the Browns about 40-odd seconds to come back and get the field goal of their own. The Browns have a couple of mess-ups. For some reason, Austin Davis slides when he could have gone out of bounds for, for one play, and he took ages to get another play off. So they eat up way too much clock and get to what is going to be a 51-yard field goal. They take the 51-yard field goal. It's blocked. Will Hill returns it 64 yards for a touchdown as time expires, and the Baltimore Ravens win 33 to 27 and the best way is they chose to take a knee instead of kicking the extra point and there were a bunch of people on twitter complaining that that completely killed their fancy games absolutely nuts travis coombs has been brilliant this year so far 12 for 12 on his kicks in his first season uh, he missed he obviously had the kick block De defensive end brent urban on his debut for the ravens making the block great stories here the fact of the matter is uh, as long as the ravens can take a punt to the house because that's how they opened the scoring was with a punt return and block a kick for six every week then Matt Sharp will be fine no problem um there's the sixth block field goal return for a touchdown in the NFL in the last five seasons said it was urban with the block absolutely crazy ending to what was a reasonably intriguing game the Browns defense terrible against the run but half decent in the air Sharp gets picked off a couple of times no surprise there once for a pick six a lot of special teams plays a lot of defense plays and an exciting game if not the best quality overall let's get back to the pod and look at the rest of the weekend's games <laughs> I apologise for that being the shortest ever Monday night review, but there was a good reason for it. 
It was a terrible game of football. It might not have been, actually. It might have ended up being a brilliant, brilliant game. But there are so many good games over the weekend that I want to get to. Ollie, how are you today, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm listening to Criminal Podcast. Have you heard of it? No, tell me more. It's great. It's real-life situations where they... You know, I remember Serial. It's a little bit like Serial by the sound of it. But it's in smaller, smaller bits, and it's a different sort of story each week. It's kind of a little bit like any true crime TV show, then. Uh, yeah. Oh, you? Yeah. Uh, but we, it's really good. It's there, there was a there was a show that we saw um, on one of those kind of true crime rubbish channels in and around the two hundreds on Virgin uh, that was called Wives with Knives, and eventually at some point a husband would be stabbed by a wife. That was the uh, you know the overarching story to every single one of them. But they'd find really roundabout ways to get there. They're all true stories, but you just didn't know. Like they'd get married forty five minutes into an hour long episode, then she'd get stabby. Like why are we taking forty five minutes gets, to get here? She'd uh, get stabby. <laughs> I si- that's meant to be him that gets stabby. I, I've similarly been watching the Jinx. What's the Jinx? Now the Jinx is the that- true story, and it, it's a. Uh, I won't. I don't want to give too much away because I really want you to watch it, and I've got it all downloaded and ready to go for you to borrow. Uh, the Jinx is uh, the true story of a guy called Robert Durst, who in uh, 2001 was picked up Related for, to Fred? Quite, no, I don't think so. I'm not 100%, but I'm not, I don't think so. Was picked up for quite a grisly murder. But after they picked him up, this whole backstory unspools around him. And what it ends up is that his wife disappeared in the 80s, and that's where it all stemmed from. Now, a filmmaker made a film about his wife's disappearance. Uh, I, we had Kirsten Dunst in it. It was a, a, dra- a drama about that disappearance. After seeing the film, the real-life Robert Durst approached that filmmaker and said, I want you to retell my story but by interviewing me and sat down and did an interview with him they've turned it into this six-part true crime and it's very serial is the best reference point for this it's very similarly in that area very well told um and uh, twisty and turny as anything now everyone's told me that episode six is going to completely blow my mind i've just finished episode five (laughs) well there was this something happened with an envelope and you're like no yeah let's not get too spoilery buddy come on an envelope yeah that was too spoilery how's that spoilery i don't know something happened with an envelope yeah who knows anything i also went to see bridge of spies today oh i love the look of that I don't know why that sounded I yeah, went very Welsh. I love Daffid that. really wants to go and see that. I, mean, I really like the look of that. It looks really, <laughs> really kitchen sink. <laughs> it's, um, I tell you what, it's at the moment you kind of, it, you get into it and it's Tom Hanks and it's Steven Spielberg and it is, it's like being wrapped up in a warm blanket. It's just everything familiar and brilliant about cinema and it's not going to change your life. It's not going to change the way you imagine how cinema works. It's not, probably not going to be the best film you see all year, but it is. It's just two and a half hours of very solid, good drama entertainment. I really enjoyed it and it's well worth going to see. Would the word stonking sort of describe it i feel like stonking might be overdoing it slightly okay Uh, but i do i love the style of the drama i always like it when you've got somebody i like things where there's negotiations where some where you get the kind of all the twists and turns kind of conversations where it's all about just two people and the kind of verbal chess match between the two of them i love that sort of thing there's a lot of that in this so what you're saying to me is acting and it's script yeah absolutely and yeah it, it, it was solid a solid it's a four out of five solid film so on the level it's slightly below stonking and then there's solid it's 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 between solid and stonking exactly on the uh, on the gridiron show official film rankings <laughs> i don't know what the middle of stonking and solid would be Sonking. Yeah, yeah. Sulking. Sulking. Stolid. <laughs> Stolid. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded horrible. It does. <laughs> I did say in the intro that this was going to be Humble Pie Week. Yeah, what are you on about? I almost feel like I need to get uh, a special drop for Humble Pie Week, but I haven't found one. Basically, I uh, I don't know if you know, guys, I was on Five Live last night. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was just taking off my jumper because it's boiling in here. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was mentioned on Twitter at any point by the four people in the studio. Sorry if your timeline was a little bit flooded. But thank you for everyone who did tune in and if you enjoyed it. And uh, oh, f- feel free to send... <laughs> you didn't learn anything by going to the big boys, <laughs> did you? I just hit the mic, mic into my own face. <laughs> You're that was point. incredible. Um, but I, we got into a discussion about the Seahawks ahead of last night's game. And we'll, uh, we'll, oh, we'll do good. that game very early on. And, and I said what I've been saying on the pod for weeks. I don't think they're good enough to go to the playoffs. Um, I think they might get in there on default because the Falcons and the Packers are so right royally f- 
everything up. But otherwise, <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I, I didn't th think they had enough to get there. I will be mostly eating humble pie on Russell Wilson today. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, his last eight quarters, he's 45 for 59, 605 yards, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. His biggest problem earlier this year was panicking under pressure, scrambling too early, missing reads. He almost looked like Colin Kaepernick at times. He's completely righted that. He's been brilliant in the last few games, so we'll get on and talk about that. And then I started to think about what other predictions have I made this year and what else do I need to eat humble pie on? So there's the Vikings who I called overrated, the Falcons who I called, uh, uh, who, I, who I underrate, who I called underrated. Uh, I've already eaten plenty of Bears humble pie, but I might as well throw them into the mix. Nah, then there's the Panthers, who before the season I said would struggle. The AFC South as a whole, we need to probably apologise to, particularly Bill O'Brien, his coaching, and the Texas D. And then there's the NFC East, who deserve nothing but our scorn and hatred. Are we going to give them the NFC disgrace? Uh, yeah, well, I was thinking about this. Can we change it? Because I, there's another podcast which I know a lot of our listeners listen to, and they have a an on-running series that they do about their team that they pick every year. Uh, they take they sometimes take too long over it, and it all becomes a bit of a faff, and we did that a bit with this, but now I feel like we should change it. And I don't feel like we have the morals to not not change it. Let's just do it. Let's make it the NFC disgrace. It is done. Yes! Uh, so on that point, did you see the Ken Yong, uh, Ken Jong, Ken Yong? Do you, is it hard, Jay? I've never known. I think it's a Yong. Ken Yong and Rob Riggle's uh, Adele Hello NFC East parody video. I have not seen it. I would love to see this. Pop the old PC channel up. Let's give it a listen. Hey! No, hey, I'm taking the Panthers and the Broncos. I'm staying away from our division because it's garbage! I gotta run. I love you, Eli. It's me <laughs> I think I'm breaking up with The Eastern NFC It might be over <laughs> This gets so good these teams They say that cream's supposed to rise, girl But our division's curdling <laughs> Demarco <laughs> Can you hear me? <laughs> I'm kidding up your dream Look at him. He looks like Paul Whitehouse you used to be when you were black Chinese Paul Whitehouse running free <laughs> Have you forgotten how it felt not to play for Chip Kelly there's such a difference between the eagles and the decent line <laughs> <laughs> Look at that tash in the hat. CJ, <laughs> you're not the only great singer around these parts. Hey, we ain't got time for that, man. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, I, I don't know, I haven't decided how we're going to do that yet. We might just leave that in full, but we might have faded in and faded out again just to save you listening to us giggling over it for two minutes, and then we'll bang it on the end. But well worth a watch. Ken Young, Rob Riggle, really, really funny stuff. That's uh, actually on the incredible. NFC East. Yeah, it's so, and it's so, like, football literate as well. It's not like... It's pretty nerdy for people who are fans of football, so I really... I loved it. How did you come across that? Uh, so, Floss who uh, ah, is a fan Fiona. of the show, yeah, yeah, gives yeah. us uh, plenty of love on Twitter and on Facebook and everything else. Uh, she posted it and tagged both you and I in the post, but obviously you've just been uh, too busy wearing your Malta top like a football hipster. Uh, I, yeah, uh, I don't look at Facebook. <laughs> there we go. I should do. That would probably explain it. Uh, talk, I mean, talking of your beard, we're going to get on some Ryan Fitzpatrick later. I, I thought you were going to shave it off. Do it on the show. It's worked for Fitzpatrick because he threw four touchdowns. What, what do you mean? Something's going to work for me? <laughs> yeah, What's yeah, going to yeah. work for me? What are you trying <laughs> Let's to be say? honest. You are struggling in both life and love, and you need something to turn it around. And maybe a fit style trim is what's going to do it for you. Just a little slice of. Ho, 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 this magic. What do you reckon? 
I'm going to do it. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. I'll do it on our next show. Oh, don't shave. I'm not letting you shave in the studio. That's going to be an utter disgrace. Why not? Uh, so, right, let's get on and talk about the weekend games. There's so much to talk about, Ollie. All right, get on with it. Oh, calm, sorry. Calm your tits. <laughs> I'm really excited about everything that happened last night because there were so many brilliant games on. So let's kick things off with Sunday Night Football. Can I just say, you didn't watch this live. I didn't watch You're this live. You're I, um, I got in from I got in from doing radio and I was tired, Ollie. You're a disgrace. Grace, this was one of the best games of the year. <laughs> in the snow! But what I did manage to do, and I loved that it was in the snow, that was one of my favourite things about it, but what I did manage to do is um, get up, avoid the score altogether, and because it had gone to overtime, it didn't come up on Game Pass straight away, so I had to download The Walking Dead, watch The Walking Dead, wait until that finished, and then go back and watch this game. So I hadn't watched it until, like, 9.30. I had to ignore my phone the whole time with all the usual overnight notifications from you lot on Facebook and people on Twitter, at Gridiron and everything else. It had to ignore all of that that was going on, and I managed to do it, have a full sports blackout, and I honestly thought that when the Pats were driving at the end and got the field goal which resulted in overtime i thought they were going to drive and win the game at that point and i was just I, I, I was angry at myself for doing it to myself again and letting the patriots sucker me in but no it was not to be tom brady lost one of his tr- trusted targets in the game and then lost the game itself cj anson scored on a 48 yard run with 12:32 left in overtime powering the broncos past the new england patriots on a snowy night in mile high ollie this was one of the best games of the year. Oh, it was so good. And it was the right result for for life. Did you feel like it was the right result? Because a conversation, again, we've been having on the old Facebook with Matt Sherry. He is a Patriots fan. We should uh, put that in there first of all. But he genuinely believes the Patriots dominated for three quarters. Whereas I think my opinion on it was the first quarter, they did absolutely dominate. Yeah. They took the Broncos apart. The defense weren't playing up. Osweiler looked like he was struggling under pressure. Uh, really good work from Jabal Sheard, from the young linebackers that they brought in yeah with jamie collins missing hightower went down in this game it was a surprise the pats defense did anything but i think after the first quarter the broncos started to come back into it and their defense played absolutely lights out and just to give you an idea of how historic this victory is let me give you a few little uh, few little uh, nuggets that i found on the old internet brock osweiler the first quarterback to lead the broncos to a win when trailing by at least 14 points in the fourth quarter since tim tebow against the dolphins in 2011 patriots losing in overtime on a touchdown for the first time since week 10 of 1987 when herschel walker ran in a 60-yard score obviously it's their first loss of the season they'd won 47 straight games in a row the patriots where they'd been led by 14 points in the fourth and they lost an overtime game for the first time in in three they, they lost their last overtime game sorry was two years ago against the broncos when they won 34 31 in overtime this was an incredible game and I, I genuinely think that peyton manning won't get his job back off brock osweiler mate i told you this last week yeah i didn't believe you and brock is it's Brock o'clock. I t- I'm not calling it Brock o'clock. <laughs> I, d- I did like, so uh, we got some love uh, <laughs> at Thanksgiving last week. A couple of people gave me some love for our uh, our wrestling reference, the Brock uh, Lesnar, Brock Osweiler wrestling reference. And there's... there's I don't a- remember it. I, there- think it went <laughs> I played a little bit of music in. Brock, But Brock Lesnar, the most notable thing he'd done in his career in wrestling was to end The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. And so there, by Brock Osweiler ending the Patriots' undefeated streak, there were so many fantastic memes of the uh, Undertaker as Tom Brady and stuff going around Twitter last night. Which one is... I had to drop in there. Does that make um, either Rob Gronkowski or Bill Belichick Kane? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with Rob Gronkowski. He looks a bit like Kane. There we go. You mentioned Rob Gronkowski. The good news for Patriots fans, and I said on Twitter at the time that I... um, now, I believed if I was a Patriots fan and I heard the news afterwards that it looked like Gronk was going to be okay, I'd rather take the loss and have Gronk for at least the playoffs, if not the rest of the season, than get a win and, and be losing out for the rest of the season. But Dante Hightower, only a sprain. Gronk, only a bruise on his knees. I mean, Collins is still out missing that, that uh, illness. But there's a point where you're almost thinking... Hightower, Gronk, Edelman could probably all not play through to the playoffs. Get them rested up, get them really fit, and then run them out in January. Um, But again, more stats this time on Gronk, just to give you an idea of how important he is. Go on, stat me off. Sorry, I'm I'm loving this. Most touchdown receptions through the first six seasons. He's third 
on that list in NFL history. Only Jerry Rice and Randy Moss are ahead of him. And he's the highest tight end by a country mile. Most touchdown receptions in Patriots history is only four off Stanley Morgan's record. And this is the crazy one. Since 2010, but this is before last night, Brady, with Gronk on the field, 178 touchdowns, 42 interceptions on 2,665 pass attempts. With Gronk off the field... 39 touchdowns, 17 interceptions on 1,142 pass attempts. Just to give you an idea, he almost doubles the number of touchdowns he scores and halves the number of interceptions he scores when Rob Gronkowski's on the field in the last five years. Wow. That is, uh, that just shows you what a huge boon he is to this offense. Brady himself. Synergy. Um, there is still some real concern about that O-line. He was, he's been sacked 23 times this season now. Uh, that's more than he got sacked all of last season combined. Uh, I, I, I think the Pats probably, looking at their schedule, are going to go 14-2. and two. There's probably another game they lose in there, particularly with all these injuries. They're going to get, the get the bye week. They're going to get those players back fit, and they're probably going to go to the Super Bowl. But Denver, I felt, really deserved this. Yeah, I thought they deserved it. I thought they managed to get their run game going, which was so key. CJ Anderson, well, it was CJ Anderson who scored the winning touchdown. And I have to say, that block by, uh, I've written it down, I wrote a tweet out about it up the <laughs> field, uh, Ryan Harris. Oh, oh on the yeah, big run, yeah. Uh, incredible block, which just allowed CJ to skip through and round. That was brilliant. I love the celebrations at the end. But we, yeah, um, Brock Osweiler managed to get things going. Big pass to Emmanuel Sanders on that final drive uh, to set up a, a potentially game-winning situation in the in the fourth quarter. Uh, the bomb to Demarius Thomas, who finally managed to catch a ball. Uh, Caldwell managed to catch stuff, and actually on the on the um, on uh, the uh, Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collingsworth, who by the way are the best commentary team by a country mile. Uh, country mile, they're so good to listen yeah. to. Uh, Collingsworth said, "Look, Brock Osweiler." And uh, Caldwell have been throwing. He's been throwing to Caldwell as a, as the on the, the scout on team the, and uh, the, yeah, yeah, as, as the second stringers. And so he's already got that sort of that connection with him. And that that's that's not to be sniffed at. I think in in all of this. So what we're going to see is more of um, more synergy with the whole uh, uh, wide receivers and tight ends of Vernon Davis getting inv- get involved Owen Daniels had another big game Golly I'm totally on board with all of that and as we've said quite a lot of times the big thing for Osweiler is whilst he made some mistakes early on once he got into his groove particularly in that fourth quarter he did look very good and the fact is he runs Kubiak's offence how Kubiak wants it run he's far more mobile he offers that it means that the bootlegs are real bootlegs it means the play action actually gets bit on it and allows the run game to get going. Everything about this suggests that they're going to be a better team with him under centre. There's a little part of me that wants to see Manning come back in like week 16, 17, get one win, hit the record on that, and then ride off into the sunset. Do you think if he doesn't come back, if this Plantius uh, Fleischer, whatever it is, <coughs> is, uh, is, is not right... That sounds like the girl you're going to meet at the cinema tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> do you think... Do you think... Thanks for that. Do you think he ends up so- at somewhere like the Jets or the Browns next year? Uh, he definitely won't end up at the Jets because he won't play in New York because Eli's there. But other than that, I c- wouldn't be that surprised to see him end up on another team next season. He probably thinks in his head he can keep playing. I don't believe that's the case. I think yeah. he needs to get out there, get that one win, and then be done with it! And what about this? Colin Kaepernick to be Brock's uh, backup. <laughs> They're very similar similar guys. Similar, similar sh- size, similar shape. Okay, Kaepernick is much quicker on his feet, but... I, I, I think that. the thing is for me that Osweiler is a pure pocket passer and, and something else that somebody said to me on Twitter is, you know, there's not a huge amount of game film on him. Well, the rhetoric before last night is that Bill Belichick is the destroyer of young quarterbacks. Like, whenever he faces a rookie, Belichick has their number. And the reason I think that he's different to, say, someone like Kaepernick early on, someone like Wilson early on, is that those players are unpredictable. They can scramble, they get outside the pocket, they do a lot more things that you, you need more film on them to get them. Whereas Osweiler's playing much more like a pure pocket passer beyond those rollouts that he's doing that part of the Kubiak offense which you've got film on anyway mm-hmm. so I, I genuinely believe that it was more down to the quality of his play late on right we've talked about that game for a long time there was another phenomenal game in the late games no I'm not talking about the stale out in, uh, in Levi Stadium I mean Russell Wilson throwing a career high five touchdown passes including two touchdowns to Doug Baldwin in the final eight minutes twelve as the so specific as the so Seahawks specific. as the so Seahawks specific. held on for a wild 39-30 win over the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger on Sunday. Oh, what a game this was! Oh, it was a really great game. Seesaw back and forth. 
Steelers missed kicks from Hauschka. I loved every bit of this game. It was a great game, even though the Seahawks won. But, yeah, love this game. Uh, Martavis Bryant, that end around and then, oh, just burning people. I love this game. I was going to start off talking about Russell Wilson, but let's start off talking about the Seahawks defense. Let's go negatives, then positives. Let's let's switch this thing up because they've allowed 30 points three times this year, twice at home, which is the first time they've done that since they were a terrible football team way back in 2010. Earl Thomas gave up that big play to Martavis Bryant. And though we said it on the preview show, those safeties are not playing to the level that we expect them to this year. It's the first time since 2010 they've given up 400 plus passing yards. Uh, it's the first time, key thing, in Russell Wilson's career that he's won a game where the opposition have scored 25 points or more. He has been a different player in these last two weeks. And I, I mentioned it early on, and just to kind of get to what I mean, is that you, you see the difference between earlier in the season where I think his biggest problem was that he was panicking in the pocket, that he saw the pressure coming, he knew that his offensive line was having trouble, and he was either scrambling too early, not getting to his reads, trying to make the plays with his feet, and actually... He finally got some bad luck with the fumbles, and it was looking like it was going to be a tough, tough season for him. These two games, he's looked so poised in the pocket. The Baldwin touchdown, Steelers absolutely brought the house. Um, I was going to say Ryan Shazir, but he was off field at this point. I think it was Bud Dupree got up the centre and was almost clean through on him. And that's the sort of situation in the past where Wilson would have rolled out, scrambled, got out of the way. He would have avoided the sack, but he wouldn't have necessarily made that touchdown pass. He was poised, he stood in the pocket, and he threw the dart over the head of the corner, into uh, Baldwin's hands, and allowed him to make that run at the sideline. It's uh, genuinely a completely different player, what he's been doing in the last two weeks, and it makes me believe that Russell Wilson is the guy from this set of uh, quarterbacks who have come out of the last three, four years, who will go on for the long-term success. Isn't just the flash in the pan that maybe I thought he might have been. Players like that tend to have three or four good years, and then they need to re-establish themselves in a different way, uh, become the pocket passer, become a more traditional quarterback. He's doing that very early on. He's proving he can do both, and he's proving he can stay in games when his defence aren't playing well. Russell Wilson, I'm sorry, consider my humble pie munched. Was some of this down to the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary, which we know oh my is God, not good? <laughs> and if, when you've got Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Curse making big plays like that, they're not... He's not going to do that against other decent secondaries. They genuinely can't tackle. They look like the Texans did against the Dolphins six weeks ago when I said they were terrible. Um, the, uh, so the other point, just on the defense very quickly, Sherman's first interception of the year, that was a surprise mm, yeah. when, he, when he picked that one off. And he won't get an easier one. That was a terrible throw. But, um, yeah, they can't tackle. They seem to be giving up... They seem to be naive in big spots. So, whereas there, there was a point in late in the game where they decided to settle for the field goal and then see if they could get the stop and go down and drive to get the touchdown. Now, often I support that as a, as a, a theory because they did have a, a fair amount of time on the clock. But when your defence haven't been getting stops, you kind of need to go, right, ball's out, let's go for the touchdown. At the end of the day, we're going to have to try and get the ball back and go for it again either way. So, let's... It, whether we go for the field goal and then go for the kickoff or we lose it on downs here. So let's just go for it, pin them right back if we, even if we do lose it and see if we can manage something on defence. Their defence just, like I say, naive in big spots. Ryan Shazir, when he went down, was a really, really big loss. The lead changed seven times in this game. It was insane and well, brilliant game that you and so keep, much fun. You were keeping an eye on this game uh, for uh, on the Five Live stuff, weren't you? Because <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it anymore, but uh, you appear to be bringing it back round. Yes, I was. Well, no, so that's why you're, you're fully into this. And it also meant you didn't have to watch the game that uh, they had commentary on, which was Arizona versus uh, um, your crappy San Francisco 49ers. But what I wanted to ask you about was, what what are the main takeaways when it came to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Mark E. Sweeten had a, an incredible 201-yard game. Um, of nine catches, yeah, yeah, that was ridiculous. I think it, what it means to me is that the, the Steelers, those weapons... I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is the best quarterback in football not wearing a 12... Is that fair to say? I mean, Cam Newton's been good this year, but uh, I just... Roethlisberger's arm's incredible. He He's such a huge loss when he's not there, and yet they still won games. Um, I disagree with you. I think Cam Newton's better than Big Ben. I, I, think he's, I think he's still a couple of years off that. I think Cam Newton can't make the deep balls that uh, <laughs> uh, Ben Roethlisberger makes. I'm so sorry. I should not have laughed at that like did a child. Did you say balls out earlier? Uh, well? <laughs> yes, I did. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's because it's warm in here or what, but I, I have lost my head somewhat. Um, I, yeah, I think Ben Roethlisberger, the, the key thing is, is when they're coming up against good secondaries, 
he is able to find an open guy from somewhere. I mean, Heath Miller went out of this game and still they managed to find open receivers. You know, Antonio Brown doesn't have a big day so they can lean on other people. That's clear that they can do that and that's great. Uh, from the Seahawks defense side of things, I mean, Carrie Williams was a healthy scratch. Um, they had to bring in, uh, there was another undrafted guy from 2012 whose name is now completely Shed. I think it was. He made a couple of decent plays. But, yeah, all in all, this was the shootout that maybe we didn't expect uh, in Seattle. But I think we thought the same about the Cardinals game a few weeks ago, and that ended up being a shootout. Let's quickly mention that Cardinals game well, well, before well, we get on to the contenders. Missing, one thing we're missing from the Seahawks game, Jimmy Graham out for the season. Uh, yeah, that actually, yeah, that is huge. Bad, bad news, because Jimmy Graham, in the last three or four weeks, has really been finding his stride. I thought with the Seahawks, he... He was so used to Drew Brees, who I, I mean does everything I've just said about Russell Wilson, stays poised in the pocket, steps up. So you, with Drew Brees, you run your route, you know where the ball's going to be coming. He's got great anticipation, which I don't think... I still think that's one thing Russell Wilson needs to work on, is anticipation, throwing the ball into space and allowing the receiver to run onto it. And that's what he's used to, Jimmy Graham, and he's not going to get that in Seattle. But I think as he adapted to the offense in the last three or four weeks, you saw him coming into games and getting better and better, knowing that he could never give up on a play because of the way Wilson plays. And actually, I, he's going to be a big loss for them, potentially, in the longer run. Yes, yeah, he's, he's torn his patella ten. Uh, that's a nasty one yeah. as well they, they are it's one of the longest recovery times and it's one of those ones that we've seen players in the past come back from and not never come back the way well, they Victor Cruz uh, being one and he still hasn't come back from no. it so yeah but bad luck Jimmy maybe it's a bit of karma for over celebrating um, when making a, a few little little plays you're a prick uh, um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, Vikings, Falcons, or do, do you want me to quickly cover off the Cardinals, uh, San Francisco 49ers game as we're kind of working backwards yeah, to yesterday's game? Let's do that one. It's not much needs to be said. Uh, Cardinals moved to 9-2 and two for the second straight season. Palmer has now won 22 of his last 26 starts. Did I say lost? He's now won 22 of his last 26 no, starts. That's exactly, you said uh, yeah. one. I wasn't sure if I'd said won or lost. I really, really lost my way today. Uh, he ran for the go-ahead uh, eight-yard touchdown <laughs> with 2.28 left and tumbled after spiking the ball. Uh, the, the Arizona Cardinals squeaked by the 49ers, let's be honest. Uh, the 34-yard completion to JJ Nelson to put it down to the one was the biggest play of the day up until that point. Blaine Gabbert had another decent game for the 49ers. He continues to look solid, not turning the ball over, uh, throwing the touchdown to, um, I think it was Big Vance, one of the two tight ends there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the only, the, the things that really caught my eye from this game, there were a couple of plays in particular. Uh, there was a third down blitz where Tony Jefferson absolutely brought the heat and just showed that the Cardinals still can bring that level of pressure when they need to. And that was with the 49ers coming into the game. And then there was the Quentin Dial uh, hit. The what was called a helmet to oh, I think it was called roughing the passer for a helmet to helmet contact on the quarterback. Did you see this play? No. It is one of the best tackles I have ever seen put on a quarterback. He stays heads up. He comes into he, he doesn't follow through, doesn't force him to the ground, does everything he has to do to make it a safe but hard-hitting tackle. It's exactly the sort of tackle you should show on film to kids who are learning about, you hear about heads-up football and, and, and all that stuff about not using the cranny helmet. You compare it to the Michael Bennett tackle against Ben Roethlisberger that knocked him out and had meant he had to go through the concussion protocol, and he put his head down, drove through with the crown of his helmet, did everything he wasn't meant to do. But because, as Quentin Dial forced him to the ground with a legitimately good tackle, the helmet caught, it was flagged as a roughing the passer, and it was just dreadful. And it's not necessary that it was flagged. I understand you've got to protect the quarterback. There was another example in the uh, uh, Patriots game, actually, which it definitely was a flag, but where Von Miller came over the top of the tackler. Brady had gone to ground almost out of uh, voluntarily, and then Von Miller came over the top just to make sure he was down. But he came off his feet as he did so and so it could have potentially been dangerous now actually the tackle itself wasn't dangerous but the situation is so you see where the flag comes out the problem with this is those plays aren't reviewable and pis aren't reviewable and opis aren't reviewable and it's so frustrating you've only got two challenge flags people who say it'll slow the day game down it's not about slowing the game down it's about the same amount of time will be taken if they choose a challenge on that rather than a challenge on a non-catch or a challenge on a first down spot or whatever it might be. Let the If they see on the replay that's a clean tackle, let them challenge it. That's what really annoyed me from the game. 
Uh, there were so many bad refereeing calls uh, over this uh, weekend. The la- yeah, the, the last clock, few. The, uh, the Downs fiasco that was in uh, that. That uh, was in the Arizona. Arizona-San yeah. Francisco game. We had the clock issue in the Denver Bronco uh, Patriots game where the Pats had... Uh, it, uh, that was ridiculous at the very end of the game. They almost lost the game because of a clock issue. The lack of hold- ridiculous. The, the lack of holding calls in that game as well. And it was against both teams. There was a really blatant hole on one of the big CJ Anderson runs. Not the touchdown, but one of the earlier ones. There was a hold on Von Miller where literally he was through clean on Brady. Where um, two guys... I, I think it was the, the, the guard in the centre pretty much had him strangled by his jersey, holding him back. And it was like, you know, when you see someone put their head on a midget as they're mm. attempting to swing in a cartoon, not in real life. Obviously, don't do that to real life uh, short people. Thank you. Little people. Is that what they like to be called? There was a whole thing where they wanted to be called little people, no, which I, I think is really condescending. Uh, <laughs> I'm a giant compared yeah. to a midget. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of a stretch. But uh, the that wasn't called. And if Brady completes the pass, which was a long bomb downfield to Brandon LaFell, we'd be talking about that a lot. But because it was an incompletion, we're not mentioning it. The non-calls, the inconsistency, it's just a mess. A total mess. Really sort is. it out, NFL. Come on! Are we done? Yep. Good. Uh, Vikings-Falcons. Uh, this is one of my humble pie games, because I have to say, I'm sorry, Minnesota. I said you'd come up on this run. I said you'd face good teams, and you'd fall apart. And admittedly, this is only the second game they've had against a team over 500 all season. Uh, and this they're, is, they're 500. And this is a team... With, not, not yet. They're not quite yet. No. They're nearly 500. Well, if it's the second game against teams that are 500 or more, and they w- lost their first one, which was last Oh, week. they're 500 against those teams. Right, OK. That makes sense. You, uh, need, to, you need to follow my weird train of thought. Yeah, <laughs> it's more the weird phrasing more than anything else. Um, so there is an argument that they've had a very easy schedule, but this was an excellent on-the-road performance from the Falcons, who went... Uh, Adrian Peterson ran 158 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Matt Ryan continues to whiff the ball all over the place through two more interceptions, and the Vikings won 20-10 to 10 in Atlanta. Atlanta are falling... They've gone one and five after a five and zero oh start. They are a total mess. Yeah, real mess. And even probably that we thought was uh, Desmond Trufant in the one of the best corners in the business. He got done on at least two or three um, PI calls yesterday. Even when you think someone that as reliable as him is not making the plays, and Devonte Freeman doesn't look the same, like the same guy, and Matt Ryan. Do you see some of his interceptions? The second one, I think, was just one of the worst things. It was as bad as the the Quell, the Quell Jackson one from the week before. Was it, was it as bad about. as the Richard Sherman Ben Roethlisberger one? The total miscommunication where Sherman picked it off with literally not a stealer within fifteen yards. Of yeah, it was. It's it's that kind of level. So weird, and and it is. It's those mental errors that Matt Ryan's making. They've got nothing downfield bar Julio Jones and Julio Jones. Actually, Xavier Rhodes, who's been one of the weaker points on a very good defense this year, I thought had a really good game up against Julio Jones. Yeah, uh, snuffed I, him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I mean Matt Ryan for the second straight game making really big mental errors. We wanted to give Carl uh, Shanahan a lot of love earlier in the season for the way he got Devonta Freeman going. And it's something he's done throughout his career is get average looking running backs looking very good but the offense really is falling apart and that's not to take anything away from the vikings we know what the vikings are they're a good fast young defense a great running back and a quarterback who's not going to turn the ball over too often now uh, he made there were a few teddy bridgewater plays yesterday where he did exactly what we we're saying about wilson uh, earlier where he was scrambling out of the pocket a little early he was taking sacks where it wasn't on the o-line it was definitely on him but the zimmer D is fantastic and if the line uh, Anthony Barr unbelievably good this year he, in coverage against the run um, if the Lions get the win on Thursday night football against uh, Green Bay the Vikings will win the NFC North yeah, yeah I, I'm happy to crown them at that. this point can't disagree with that because Green Bay's divisional record is is if with a loss there would be awful and even against even if they do beat the Minnesota Vikings uh, and the Vikings then win out the the divisional record is not gonna not gonna work. Green Bay's just not good enough at the moment. No, nope. and <laughs> the Vikings aren't playing well, but they're getting the job done. They need to keep Teddy Bridgewater more upright because that offensive line had did crumble a few times, even against a really poor pass rush. Uh, it did, Atlanta. but I would suggest that it, as I say, I think it's about fifty fifty on him and on them. Uh, let's move on. Five in a row. Five in a row. Five in a row. 
Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs win five in a row as they beat the Bills 30 to 22. Bills went up big early in this game, and I really thought that they were gonna uh, they were gonna be the team to finally end this Chiefs run. Some fantastic first quarter play, particularly from Sammy Watkins and from Tyrod Taylor, who showed nothing from that shoulder shoulder injury the other night. Um, but all in all, Rex Ryan got out coached. Uh, Alex Smith had a phenomenal game, and the Chiefs are just a great football team. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. They're really... And I'm like, really happy about it. Yeah, I, you're beaming like a, yeah. like a, a giddy uh, teenage girl who's just been asked by the out by the quarterback of the high school team. No, I'd rather be asked out by the kicker. Would you rather be asked out by Alex Smith? No, Cairo Santos. Cairo Santos. To the bang. To the bang. <laughs> uh, Alex Smith, three touchdowns, 291 yards. He had three completions over 30 yards. That's the same as his last 26 games combined. Has the, has the corner turned? Yeah, I'm hoping so. Well, Macklin, Jeremy Macklin, um, it was, there's been, he's been making all the big plays that we expected from him when he first joined there. This was a phenomenal stat. In the last three years, only five Chiefs wide receivers have had games over 140 yards. Three of those are Jeremy Macklin this season. So the previous two years, they had two guys doing. it. I think it was probably Dwayne Bow both times in fluke games. Uh, Spencer Ware, who's like their 15th choice running background for 115 yards and a score. I just... Uh, Smith's gone fourth longest streak in NFL history without throwing an inception, 283 pass attempts now. Uh, they're just a really, really good team. And all of this without Justin Houston, who went out injured uh, during the game. It's just... Yeah. Uh, they'll. I think they're going to... Obviously, they'll make the playoffs... Probably as one of the as one of the wild cards, but you know it, it would be great to see them in there. Do you want to hear the rest of their schedule? Yes, please. I'm at, glad you said it correctly. At the Raiders, home to the Chargers. Win, win. At the Ravens, win. home to the Browns, win. home to the Raiders. Wow, ten and oh, <laughs> ten in a row. Uh, I think we've given them as much love as they need. From the Bills' perspective, uh, like I said, they played well early on. I think um, we uh, we talked about Macklin. They, I, I've really liked Ronald Darby, the um, rookie corner. I think he's had a really good season, but he got ruined. By, by a great player this weekend in Macklin. Um, and Rex Ryan, what are you doing with your challenge flags, man? Oh, when the Bills had a chance, they were eight down, but they had a chance to drive for the game. They're on, I think they're on about, th- I think they were on third and long, so it was on the fourth down that he flew th- through the challenge flag. They're on third and long. Chris Hogan catches the ball, and he does catch the ball. He it completes it, makes three steps, goes to ground, and as he goes to ground, it pops out. That is a catch for me. Yeah, a catch for me. Uh, a catch and a fumble, and he recovers it. They didn't challenge that, and yet when Tyrod Taylor on the next play fumbles the ball, recovers it himself, makes the run, and makes probably seven of the eight yards he needs to make, it's clear he's not made the first down marker, but in desperation, they throw the challenge flag then. What nonsense! What are you doing, Rex? I love his coaching before games. I think he's a great schemer. I think he's really great defensive-minded coach. But his decision-making in games leaves something to be desired. Yeah, it really does. I, I mean, it's a, it's a tough division with the Jets and the Pats and the Dolphins. But it, so far, the jury's still out on how well he's done this year. Right, we've got a few more games to rattle through. But let's take a quick break. Hello, Gabby Logan here and I'm pitch side at Welland FC where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief. It's 11.47 on a Sunday. I think some of these players are a little worse for wear. But they're here, they've got their kit on, they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box. They're still 2-0 down though. Oh, but would you look at that goal! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by ACAST. Wow, we've still got seven games to get through, so uh, let's get through a few of those now and let's start off with the Cincinnati Bengals. Two touchdowns for AJ Green and a 12th of the season for Tyler Eifert to move him top of the cat touchdown catching league is there a thing for that like the golden boot but the uh the silvery gloves the, <laughs> the silvery gloves i don't that's know so, that sounds so bad <laughs> uh it, it ends up that nick Foles is the best possible player to face after you've had two losses on the bounce he was dreadful through three picks the rams have now lost four in a row 9.7 million guaranteed next year nick Foles. yeah good 
good yeah. work on that yeah. contract guys well done foxy les sneed you've got beautiful beautiful hair i say foxy fisher yeah uh, whoever i don't really care yeah les sneed's the man with the beautiful hair and the terrible contracts bengals just very impressive they were good against the cardinals but lost against an excellent team um they're now in their fifth straight season over 500 only them the pats and probably the packers can claim the same over the same you're going to win one more game right yeah I hope. <laughs> you didn't say that with a huge amount of confidence. We know the Bengals are a good team. They moved to 9-2 and two and, you know, extend that lead over the Steelers after the Steelers lost later on that night. So, yeah. all good news for the town of Ohio. It, yeah, it's nice to see... Uh, it's AJ. definitely a state. <laughs> it's definitely a state. I, why did I overlook that? That's disgraceful. I don't know. It's nice to see AJ Green getting in, back in, in the touchdowns and uh, uh, helping people's fantasy teams. Hashtag geography watch. I'm, I'm trying to fit them in and they're not working at all, are they? No. Good. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the terrible New York Giants and Will's brilliant prediction that before the weekend, the Giants are definitely going to win the East. Nobody else has got a chance at this point. They'll thrash Washington this weekend and they'll go on to win it all. They lost 20-14 to 14 in Washington and uh, they were 20 nothing down in the fourth quarter Kirk Cousins threw a 63 yard touchdown pass to Deshaun Jackson and scored himself on a quarterback sneak um, and uh, yeah the NFC least or the NFC disgrace as we're now renaming it and recalling it continues to be terrible terrible Odell Beckham great catch though uh, there was a great tweet we put out um, way back on issue 12 of uh, Gridiron Magazine, we did a feature on Odell Beckham, and his high school coach said, we broke every rule in the book letting him catch one-handed. I think we made the right choice. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I think Eli Manning, though, now has 20 games with three interceptions since his rookie season in 2004. In that same 11-game stretch, no other player has more than 13. Wow. 11-year stretch. 11, what did I say? Game. He might have done it in 11 games. Can you do 20 games with three interceptions in 11 games? I That's good maths. I don't know what you're talking about. It's 2004 <laughs> was 11 years ago. Yeah, he's only played 11 games since then. Two of them in Super Bowls, though. You're a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ian Aberdeen tweets us, this is an interesting question we got in on Twitter, at Gridiron. At the risk of being a party pooper, should the NFL think about these gloves? That silly stickum is banned, but yet these gloves exist. He's obviously referring to, and we've both felt those gloves, mm. uh, the, the, they essentially stick to the ball. I mean, Odo Beckham's catch was utterly ludicrous. He does push off beforehand. Nobody's talking about that. Probably should have had a flag against him. But it is a ridiculous one-handed diving catch into the end zone, which saves Eli's blushes and makes this game look much, much closer than it actually was. But he's just querying, you know, should that be allowed? Because he's clearly uh, had the assistance of the gloves. I don't know. I don't know. It's too. You're on this podcast to have an opinion, Ollie. Well, okay, so give I'll, me an opinion. I like big plays like this. Gloves are gloves. You can still have the ball bounce out. It's going at such a speed. I'm not sure little bits of stick them on the gloves make much difference whatsoever. Good call, buddy. I'm totally with you on that. Plus, safeties and corners can wear them as well. Yeah. So yeah. anyone who's catching the ball is allowed to wear the gloves. So why don't you stop being a party pooper? He's also a Bucks fan, so yeah. Uh, the, the, the Bucks have looked okay this year. Um, they didn't look so okay when they went to Indianapolis this weekend, though, and lost 25 points to 12. The only point I made from this entire game, because basically, I mean, first of all, the Colts advanced to 4-0 under 40-year-old Matt Hasselbeck. The first time that a quarterback over 40 has gone 4-0 at a starting stretch with a team. Wow. I think that's not happened too often. Do you think it's the first time a quarterback has the same age as his record? 4-0 and oh and 40. <laughs> no, because I imagine a 20-year-old quarterback's gone 2-0 and oh at some point. Are there 20-year-old quarterbacks year gone three in, and oh. in the NFL? If they come out a year and a bit early. And then go 2-0? and oh? Maybe. Who knows? There might be quarterbacks that are 3-0 and oh that have gone thir no, 30 and gone 3-0. and oh. Yeah, there you go. Or All 31 right. and gone 3 and 1. There's a lot of these that could be the or case. Basically, I'm saying no to your ludicrous question, Ollie. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, he threw for 315 yards and two touchdowns. Adam Vinatieri made four more field goals. They did miss an extra point, I believe. Uh, the Colts are 6 and 5 on their third straight to remain tied atop the AFC South with Houston, who we'll get on to in a moment. Uh, it's still worth noting Jameis Winston, 245 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked five times. The O-line's still giving him a lot of problems, but his record on the road, 11 passing touchdowns and one interception this season, is incredibly impressive. Yeah, he's, he's really, really playing very well. 
do, he's um, dangerous with his feet as well, and he's making the right decisions. It does help that you've got big uh, receivers to throw to. However, when one of those receivers keeps dropping uh, easy passes, Mike Evans had about two or three yesterday, and it, this is something that's been an issue ever since he's come back from injury. He keeps dropping those balls. Does he have a Green Bay Packer uniform on underneath? I do not know. <laughs> oh, a little bit bitter for Molly. Uh, Devontae Adams catch the ball! Uh, it ends up... In the, we've mentioned the team that went atop of the AFC South, and we are calling them that, not the disgrace anymore. Uh, Welcome along, back, NF- uh, AFC South. <laughs> good Welcome work. Welcome back, you have uh, done well. <laughs> uh, the team that moved joint top with the Colts were the Houston Texans. And it ends up that Rob Ryan wasn't the entire issue in New Orleans. Uh, they went down 24-6. to six. Brian Hoyer, back in after his concussion, we, I was calling for TJ Yates to stay in. What do I know about football? More humble pie to be eaten by me. Through two touchdowns. Absolutely stifled Drew Brees. This defence has been brilliant. Bill O'Brien, I'm sorry for ever doubting you. You should be sorry. You should be, because we love Bill here on uh, this side of Gridiron. The opening drive from Hoyer was ridiculously good. Seven for seven. Camp with a ten-yard touchdown to Ryan Griffin. Who? Yeah. Uh, putting them 7-0. and How does that help anyone? First time they've had a score on the opening possession this year. And a quick mention for JJ Watt. I mean, we've been talking up Josh Norman. We've been talking up uh, Luke Keekley, We've been talking up all these different players who are playing phenomenally on the defensive side of the ball. Don't know why I went with just Panthers then. I'm sure there are other. Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, just to name a few other ones to make sure I'm not being totally biased. JJ Watt is a ludicrous human being. Patrick Peterson. Two sacks on Sunday, brings him up to 70.5 in his first five seasons so far. Since Sachs became official in 1982, the only player with more through five seasons was Reggie White, the best of all time, who had 81. And uh, you know what? It's very, very unlikely that JJ Watt will get 11.5 sacks through the last five games. But it wouldn't be... Like, you wouldn't be that... Ten and a half, sorry. Who have they got? You wouldn't be that shocked if he managed to get another five, six, seven sacks, won the sack leader this year, and continued to uh, the streak. They may just re- as well rename Defensive Player of the Year the J.J. Watt Award. They might do. They, they, they should they, do. they really should do. When he retires, like the Heisman, it will turn into the J.J. Watt. The Watt Award. I, I'm all in for that. Should we just start the movement now? I, I, absolutely. I've started some movements already, but they're much more bowel-based. Whoa! <laughs> I'm wonder, wondering what those, that uh, horrendous smell drifting over from you was. Pungent waft. <laughs> uh, that's the name of my first band. Uh, <laughs> the, the Oakland Raiders found a way to pull out a win on a wet and sloppy day in Tennessee, 24-21. to 21. That's just your uh, pants. The key, is, <laughs> the key thing here, Derek Carr throwing a 12-yard touchdown pass to Seth Roberts with 121 yet left. The Raiders stopped a three-game slide. And they did it with Derek Carr looking very impressive. The Raiders 5-6 and six, uh, now still in with a playoff shout. They're in the wildcard race. I don't think they're going to do it this year. But finally their offence got a bit back on track against a tough Tennessee defence. Yeah, the, they looked alright actually. And Derek Carr seems to have a bit of more relationship again with his wide receivers. Crabtree looking back... Um, Cooper's catching some balls, you know, and th- actually as well, that we were talking about how bad the Raiders' secondary was. A couple of really big interceptions as well yesterday, so I was really impressed with that. Nate Allen picking, up, uh, picking off Marcus Mariota to end the game, but Mariota still, I thought, was impressive overall. Didn't have a terrible game. I mean, uh, he threw a lot, but 218 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he just needs more weapons than Delaney Walker. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Douglas caught a touchdown this Oh, it was a good catch, though. It was an okay catch. Yeah, it was a good catch. The running game was awful. Antonio Andrews, David Cobb. David Cobb, who I would say you're slimmer than him. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, they're not, they're not getting anything done. And then that puts far too much pressure on Mariota. Do you think being 2-9, and nine, I don't know how, it could be 2-14 and 14 by the end of the season... Do you think that's going to hurt him, or do you think that's going to make him a better player for next year? Yeah, I hope what it means is that they invested a big, big weapon at the top of the draft. Um, I, I don't know. If Ezekiel Elliott comes out this year, that would be absolutely a shout. I'm trying to remember if he is out this year out or not. Out of the not. draft? Yeah, he comes out of college into the draft, I mean. Yep. If he's available at the yep. top there. Not a big coming name. out, you're not just releasing No, I'm something. not suggesting that he's going to reveal his sexuality to the world. Maybe he will do, and if he does, we will support him all the way. What, for being heterosexual? Uh, but 
but I want to see um, I want to see a really good offensive-minded coach there. We mentioned Hugh Jackson already. We mentioned Adam Gase, although I think it'd be surprising to see him bail on the Bears after just one year. Uh, obviously, hev- heavily linked with the head coaching job at San Francisco last off-season. So maybe, maybe should we head to Florida for our last couple of games? Let's do it. Uh, the ja- Philip Rivers threw four touchdown passes, two to Antonio Gates, and the Chargers beat the Jags thirty-one twenty-five, all but ending the Jags' playoff hopes for the season. They're now two games back in the AFC South. I'm sad about this. I'm really sad about this. Yeah, because we like the Jags on the on gridiron. Philip Rivers really pulled things back after uh, after a tough stint. Twenty nine of forty three of three hundred yards, sacked twice, uh, but all in all, had a very good game with his four touchdowns. And uh, uh, he, well, first of all, let's just say he passed Joe Montana at two seven three and tied Vinny Testaverde at two seven five to move to eleventh on the all time touchdown passing list. I don't think we give Philip Rivers enough love for the consistency and the quality of his career overall. That is a potential Hall of Fame career, uh, but the. Chargers have been decimated with injuries this year. This is a game that the Jags should win at home. On the defence, they just didn't do enough. And this could be a real issue for Gus Bradley come the off-season. Yeah, huge issue. Because they're not... He's he's from that Seattle sort of uh, thinking of defence. He's You know, that's where he, he made his mark. And we're not seeing it consistently that the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing anything on defence. They've got those offensive weapons, but... You do need both things to do well, and it's not quite working. The investments I'd like to see them make in the offseason, obviously we'll see Dante Fowler come back and hopefully be the explosive player that they thought they were taking with the number three overall pick. Uh, I'd like to see them invest in some uh, some real quality in the defensive backfield and also on the offensive line as well. I think they could be a really, really good team with that in there as well. But uh, at the moment, they keep having results like this one. Uh, Finally! You, sorry, can I just ask you, do you think Philip Rivers... Rivers Rivers will be a charger wherever the charges are next year? That's a really interesting question because when they first talked about going to LA, he didn't want to sign a contract extension because he doesn't want to leave San Diego, basically. Well, if he wants to continue to be an NFL quarterback, it's looking increasingly like he's going to have to play somewhere else. And he's just signed a nice new big contract. So, yes, I think he will be, but I'm not sure he'll be happy about it. Okay, thank you for that answer. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, finally, we probably should have started with this game a lot earlier because it has resulted in a sacking. Bill Lazer, the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, was sacked after this game. Neil Dutton tweeted us asking, is there anyone left for the Dolphins to fire? Whilst Tom said, what did the Dolphins staff do to piss off Todd Bowles? He's thrown a grenade into the coach's room in Miami this year. Of course, they had all, uh, the head coach was sacked after they played the Jets in London. They've now played the Jets in this game. Lost by 38 points to 20. Oh, 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 Fitzmagic shaves off the beard, throws four touchdown passes, and they beat them by 38 points to 20. Uh, The uh, conversation that we had with uh, Simon Clancy via the old Facebook uh, on this very topic was um, the fact that the play calling has just been dreadful. When Dan Campbell first came in, they ran Lamar Miller and ran him a huge amount. And it was kind of what redefined their offense. They've now been gone back to throwing the ball 75% of the game. And I know game flow dictated it a little bit here, uh, but if you listen, Campbell came in, they ran for 190 yards and 280 yards. Uh, uh, Lamar Miller had seven carries yesterday. All really not good enough. Really, really not good. That's enough. rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. I know, but did they? Do you think they got psyched out by the fact that the Jets have an okay run defense? Potentially, maybe, but and and like I say, game flow doesn't help that situation as well. But all in all, it wasn't good enough. Has Clancy mentioned anything about um, who he thinks is a better quarterback, uh, Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> no, that hasn't been conversed. Funnily it, enough, okay, we know that um, there could be a, a, a quarterback berth open in San Francisco. Who would you rather have back? And to not for the future, but for one season, Alex Smith or Ryan Tannehill? Alex Smith. There we go. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill, Miami have hired Zach Taylor to run the offense, uh, who has been the quarterback coach. He's Mike Sherman's son-in-law, which apparently is why he got the job. He's the quarterback coach for the last three seasons. He's had a terrible impact on Ryan Tannehill, who uh, threw 59 times yesterday. Just, just terrible. Bad Dolphins, bad Dolphins. Jets move to six and five. Give them a little bit of love. Tannehill was brilliant. The receivers did a really good job uh, up against the Miami secondary. And all in all, a good performance from them to get back into the challenge. Fitzpatrick was brilliant. Who did I say? Tannehill. 
<laughs> uh, uh, Chris Ivory's back as well, so well done. This well was going to be the humble pie, uh, the humble pie podcast. Instead, it's the Will Gavin is an utter mess podcast. <laughs> uh, let's just quickly uh, get to a couple of your final tweets. Sorry, do you before like we finish Eaton the show? Mess? I love Eaton Mess. We had Eaton Mess at my wedding, Ollie. I didn't because I don't like it. Oh. I don't like meringue. Who doesn't? What? You're oh, you're a disgrace. What was else? What else might have I had at your wedding? Uh, cake, yeah, pulled not. pork. No, not for dessert. Well, we, we only had a, the, the single dessert option of the Eaton Mess because everyone loves Eaton Mess. I might have eaten it. Yeah. <laughs> it was in its own little To be honest, I can't, re- can't remember. I'd had a lot of that really nice wine that you brought over from France. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Tom Marshall tweets asking us, is it possible for there to be a conference of disgrace? With the exception of Carolina and uh, Arizona, the NFC has been massively disappointing. He asked us to play that in particular. Now, I think that's a little bit harsh, purely because uh, you have to take the NFC East out of it entirely, surely. Do you mean the NFC disgrace? Yes, sorry, the <laughs> NFC disgrace. Uh, you, I think what you're referring to is the fact that the Packers have been so disappointing Dropped as well. Cliff, yeah. But the Vikings have been impressive. Uh, we've been loving the Cardinals. The Seahawks are on a big bounce back at the moment. I'm afraid the answer to your question, Tom Marshall, is no. No. No, no I, Marshall. No. No. Uh, Devin asks, as we enter December, what pre-season conventional no. win- wisdom... Sorry. <laughs> Calm your storm. Uh, as we enter December, what pre-season conventional wisdom looks the most ridiculous? The Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Eagles. Well done. I mean, I, there's no other answer <laughs> to your question, Devin. I do apologise. Uh, let's uh, try to think if there is anything else we can throw in there. Oh, mm, pre-season. Yeah. Tom Brady. What about him? Because pre-season, we didn't know that he was going to play. But that wasn't, that's not really conventional wisdom. That's more just a situation. Okay. Uh, conventional wisdom. I think the Panthers were going to struggle. That was, uh, that was some pretty conventional wisdom because they had no weapons after uh, I've got one. Kevin Benjamin went down. The Aaron, Bears are going to be terrible. Aaron Rodgers can do it with anyone. Uh, that's a very good piece of pre-season conventional wisdom that looks ridiculous. The Bears are going to be terrible no matter what. They've managed to pull something out and look really good. I don't want to talk about that. Um, yeah, I think Jameis Winston's going to throw too many interceptions to be considered a good player. Oh, yeah, nice. But, yeah, there's a few. There's, yeah. quite, there's quite a few. But That's the, a really good question. But, like but the that. real answer is the Eagles, Devin. I apologise. Uh, Ollie, is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off for today? You're really thinking these through nowadays. I really liked it when you came in here, had some witty off-the-cuff comment, and, uh, you know, just brang out a great conversation about... Uh, oh, that's one thing. I, I, uh, do you know what? I went to the cinema today. And I sat in a seat that wasn't my own. Yeah, but how many people were in the cinema? Probably about 40. How big was the cinema? Not a big screen. Wow. Did you feel... I get really nervous. I did have, like, a whole row to myself, to be fair. Ah, you were in the row that they, they, uh, um, they book off, just in case there's double bookings. No, oh, it's like that, is it? You're yeah. saying I, des- I need a double seat booking? No! <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, I wanted to talk about Kobe Bryant very quickly. Who? Kobe Bryant, NBA, five-time NBA champion, third all-time career points, announced he's going to retire at the end of the season. I think about three years too late. And there's a conversation to be had, re-Peyton Manning, about players who should retire before they break down. Is it better to burn out or to fade away, Ollie Hunter? That's the question. Would you rather somebody goes out on top, a la Ray Lewis, or they continue to plug away, looking for the records, looking to make a contribution into their 40s? Always on top. You've got to go on top. Because look at what, what Peyton has done. I, I'm sure his legacy has been tarnished. But then if, if he had quit, people have got, would have gone, oh, if only he'd, he'd have stayed on just to get the passing yards. So he was in a bit of a lose-lose situation. But if, I would say you leave on top uh, would be best. If Brady and Belichick win the Super Bowl this year, should they ride off into the sunset wearing leather jackets made of the hide of the leathery skin of Peyton Manning? You can forget that last bit. Just should they should they go out on top? That that was rather. What was that movie <laughs> where the, the guy um, he used to steal people and then uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, 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 no. There was a, a recent one as well, and then make a body out of uh, out of their skin. Frankenstein. Nah, what was that one? In the, it was late uh, early two thousands. 
Jeepers Creepers. It was Jeepers Creepers. Yes, come on. It was Jeepers Creepers. Horror movie knowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like. I. No. I, I said about Peyton a couple of years ago. If he won the Super Bowl, he should do it. I like. I know they won't because I know they're so competitive. I know Brady doesn't look like he's physically as broken down as anyone else. But imagine Brady halfway through next season starts to show the same physical fatigue at forty that Peyton Manning has been showing this season. How disappointing it would be. Whereas if they won the Super Bowl this year, he had the most rings of any quarterback since Terry Bradshaw. In fact, would he beat Terry Bradshaw? Is he already on four? Are they both on four? I think he's on four. So if they're both on four, he would beat Terry Bradshaw's record he's as got the guy five. with the most. Five rings. Five rings. Five Super, Super Bowl, Bowl rings. rings. Ah, that's incredible. It's Christmas as well. Go out on top. That's what I'm saying. TB, go on top and give the rest of the league some love. Let us all... You know what? It's like the equivalent of a mercy killing, but instead it's like a mercy suicide. Mercy retirement. Let's not call it a mercy suicide. That's a bit dark. I've gone down a weird road. We've done you. That whole weird road is Peyton Manning continuing his career. We should have gone out on five Super Bowl rigs. Let's that do it again. Let's do it again. At Gridiron on Twitter, gridiron-magazine.com. Go out and check out Sports Travel Tours. We will be doing our tour next year, so save up your pennies, your pounds. It's going to be phenomenal. We'll announce it when the schedule comes out. And let's finish off with. Five Super Bowl rings! Which is five more than Tony Romo will manage at any point in his career. Adele, it's me. I think I'm breaking up with. The Eastern NFC, it might be over for these teams They say that cream's supposed to rise, girl But our division's curdling DeMarco, can you hear me? I'm in Philadelphia dreaming about the stud you used to be When you were blocked for running free have you forgotten how it felt not to play for Chip Kelly? There's such a difference between the Eagles and the decent line. around these parts. Hey, we ain't got time for that, man.